Pastor, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to preach because I know that you don't take it lightly for whoever uh, stands in this pulpit and speaks um, because I know that you know that it is a very serious thing. Um, so I want to thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to come and to speak. Um, but praise the Lord, every time that we come into this room, it ain't no ordinary Sunday. Every time that you walk in this place, you're not going through the motions. I love what Pastor said, I think it was last week, that every time that we come in here, this house is an exciting place because the Spirit of God is here, amen? That we come not to have a time about God, but we come with the time to be with God, that we encounter Him so that we enter this place expecting and we enter His presence, hallelujah. This morning I've got a word that God has given me over the last couple weeks and I believe that it is for this time as pastor said every word that is brought forth is a prophetic word. So I do believe in, in God's divine appointment. I believe that every soul is here for this message and don't be pointing around saying it's for him or her. It's for you too. <laughs> You're here in the room so it's for you as well. Um, so this morning we're going to be turning to uh, Daniel chapter 3. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Daniel chapter 3, and I've got uh, Shannon and Shannon back there going to help me out. Shannon and Shannon. <laughs> we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to read, guys, a very familiar story with you, or I hope it's familiar. Um, but we're going to start in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 as you're turning there. But we're going to talk this morning about uh, the three Hebrew children that got thrown into the fiery furnace. And um, before I even go into it, I know that if we've been Christians for a long time and we've heard the word, I don't want you to turn your ears off because you think you've heard a story a hundred times from even when you were a child. God's word is not like a board game that says this story is for ages 8 to 10. No, this word is for all ages. There is no age limit on God's word. And God's word is alive, amen, that it burns in us. And every time you go to read it, God will let you know exactly what he wants you to know. Um, so this morning we're going to read about these three Hebrew children, but uh, just in case you've already heard it a hundred times, guess what? We're going to hear it once more because God wants it to be said. So before we go there, if you would, just stretch your right hand forward and pray with me this morning for a blessing over the word. Jesus, God, your word is so strong and it burns in me. God, let it come forth, Father, and pierce these hearts in this room. God, that this is not some ordinary Sunday, that this is not just the motions of what we're used to, but God, that you would shake us to the core this morning. God, as your people walk out of this room different from what we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless this word. Amen and amen. In Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. 
Go down now to verse 24. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? Then answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four loose walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth, or the form of the fourth, is like the Son of God. Let me take you through this story and put you in context of where we're at in our scripture. But in King Nebuchadnezzar's rule of Babylon, uh, I believe it was in his first year, he overthrew uh, King Jehoiakim of Judah. And in that capturing, uh, during that period, he took to himself uh, the young men that said were said to be good looking, were smart, were quick learners. He captured them, he took them in because he wanted them to be uh, servants to the king, but also to teach the culture, um, to be able to learn and then teach the others the culture. So he took to him three uh, or four young men. One was named Daniel. Uh, the other one was Michelle. Uh, the other one was Hananiah. And the last one was Azariah. He took these four young men and put them in the midst to serve the king. And um, King Nebuchadnezzar goes on to, uh, to set them for He even put them in front of some of the providences if you read about but basically he goes on to say that these four men if you read in the scriptures that he found them to do everything 10 times better than all those others that were in the court um something that i'm just gonna like kind of do a little commercial break here uh, something that we need to understand that these four hebrew children were recognized the fact that everything they did it seemed to be better it seemed to be the scripture says 10 times better i'm gonna stop there and say the things that christians do should be better than how the world does them that those outside should recognize and see a difference that it's done a better way not because we are better than other people it's not because we are more skilled but it's the fact like in first corinthians that whatever my hand finds to do i do it for the glory of god that we as christians when we do things we do not do them just for ourselves but we do them with a purpose to fulfill the plan of god's glory and we do them not just that we are better or skillful but it's in God's favor that he blesses us. So it's not in how well we perform or how well we can sing a song or how well we can speak with a silver tongue. But yet the world sees the better in us because our God is better. So these four Hebrew children were found to be ten times better in all they do in the king's court. So, uh, and they were eventually set in forth to govern even some providences of Babylon. Um, but he, he, we go in on our, in our scriptures that King Nebuchadnezzar builds this, uh, builds this golden idol, this golden image. And if you read the actual measurements of this, uh, just to kind of give you a picture of this golden image, it was said to be about 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide is pretty large um my cubit is not as big as everybody else's but even 60 of my cubits 
reach the top of the ceiling for sure and, and above that. So he built this huge golden image and he brought forth everybody that basically governs in the kingdom. He brought them forward. All the magistrates and all those that was in the courts brought them forward and, and basically laid down the law that said, listen, at the sound of this music, and you all know the story, that as this music begins to play, that all of those who are here need to bow down and worship the golden image that I built. And if you don't, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace. So you've got to worship this golden idol that King Nebuchadnezzar just built. Now those that were in the king's court came before the king and said, listen, you know there are four Hebrew children that don't serve that idol. They don't serve that God that you made. And so they brought Daniel and and those who had been, uh, which we'll talk about their changed names. But they brought in the four Hebrews, through four Hebrew children. And I can just kind of picture King Nebuchadnezzar's fury as he just built this huge golden idol. And these four Hebrew children, you know, are kind of standing up to him and standing up to his God that he created. And he said, listen, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace if you don't bow down on the sound of this music. And as the music, uh, before the music even played, they answered him what we found in, in verses 16 through 18. And I love this answer that they gave. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But get this. But if not, even if God doesn't deliver us, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It says, listen, our God is going to deliver us. Our God that we serve, he's our deliverer, amen? And he's going to bring us through this fiery furnace, and he's going to deliver us out of your king, O hand, uh, your hand, O king, and we are going to get out of this captivity that we're in. And even if he doesn't, what a faith check. Even if he doesn't, we still are not bound down to this golden idol. Man, right there, I could just see like King Nebuchadnezzar's fury just starting blood pressure going up, face getting red. It even says in the scripture that his facial expression changed toward them. So, man, he got mad. And what did he do? He decided to ask. He made them turn up that uh, fiery furnace seven times hotter than it, it normally was. That's really hot. I don't know degrees wise, but whatever seven times was, that's got to be hot, okay? <laughs> and it was so hot that even those that were, were throwing them in and putting them in there, they tried to dress themselves in, in their different uh, tunics and, and whatnot and have all the, the dress over them, but it was so hot that those that put them in the furnace were even killed because it was so hot. The Bible says that they were put in and they actually fell down when they were put in. But when King Nebuchadnezzar took a look, they were no longer bound. They were no longer on the ground. But they were up and walking around. And not only were the three, you know, in there. But he said, there is now a fourth. He even asked his, his, those in the court. He said, hey, uh, didn't we throw three in there? How could you forget that? 
Didn't we throw three in there? Didn't we throw three? Am I going, am I going crazy or something? Didn't we throw three in? Because I see four. And there's what then they're walking around. But not only that, I want to really recognize what King Nebuchadnezzar saw. Because he goes on, a man that, you know, never did see the Lord, never experienced that, that now he says, and the fourth resembles an image like the Son of God. That he recognized who he was. I want to kind of walk you through this and see what, what God wants me to teach this morning. And, and um, from the get-go of this, whenever these four uh, Hebrew children were put in captivity, I think this is kind of the first, um, first uh, thing that the enemy tries to, does, uh, try to do to us. Um, and that is the first thing they did when they brought these four uh, Hebrew children in is that they tried to change everything about them. That they tried, they changed their names. Yeah. Daniel became like Belteshazzar, which is really hard to say. Um, Michelle became Meshach. Hananiah became Shadrach. And Ezariah uh, became Abednego. So they even changed their name. They tried to teach them to, to even eat different things. Man, you want to step on my toes. Tell me that I can't eat deer and steak anymore, buddy. I'm going to be swinging. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But they even tried to change their diet and change and teach them the culture so that they could teach others. Um, but something big there that I, I, I want to just you know hone in on is that I feel like that's the first thing that the enemy does to take us down a lot of times is to just to try to make us think and and change who we are in Christ. That they they change their name and and I think that's a big part here is that they tried to change their name because if they can change your name. Your name resembles a lot. Your name resembles maybe your family, your heritage, your culture. Um, your name may even represent some responsibility that you have. Um, your name, like I've come to learn in, this, in my new job over the last few months at Holzer, I've got a little badge with my name on it. And that little badge, whenever I click it on the doors, it lets me in. Sometimes your name even lets you through the door. Mm, come on, that'll preach. Those that's names in the book of life, heaven's door is going to be open. Mm, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so your name will even get you in the door. So the enemy took, uh, took these um, uh, four Hebrew children and he decided that he's going to try to change everything about them so that they would forget who they are. That they would change their names, change their culture, try to switch everything around in them. But let me remind you, can you bring up John chapter 1 verse 12? Let me remind you, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Your identity is not someone of the world. Your identity is not the culture of the world. Your name is not of the world, but you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Not only a citizen, but a child. You are a child of God. Don't you forget that. You come before your father because he is your father. That you walk into his throne room as his child just as our little children come to us with the needs and wants and just to talk to us sometimes. We as his children need to come boldly into his throne room to talk with him, to ask him for our needs, but also to spend time with him. 
And and can I say this, just in the same respect, you moms and dads, take care of your children and you would do anything for them, how much more our Heavenly Father will take care of His children. He takes care of us. He delivers us. He provides us with our needs. He fights for us. He never leaves us. Sometimes when we need comfort and you don't know what to do, you go before the Father and He lets you know that everything's going to be all right. God takes care of His children. So don't forget on who you are. Don't let the enemy try to tell you that you are a citizen of the world and you've got to act like the world and go by the world's laws and standards. No, you go by a higher standard. You go by the word of God because you are a citizen of heaven and his child. Don't forget who you are. The next thing that they did to try to strip them from what they came from after they had tried to change their names and change their their diet and they tried to teach them the culture, the next thing that they did was King Nebuchadnezzar brought them before this idol. And this is the temptation and the things that the enemy will bring, bring forward before you just to try to bow down to. Church, I think there's an old test that's been talked about many times, but can I mention a little bit of test for idols? Just ask yourself. I think this is a good examination. Just ask yourself, you know, what do I spend the most time on? What, does, what do I think about whenever I first wake up in the morning? Is it work or is it the Lord? When I go to sleep at night, am I just watching television for comfort or am I trying to spend time with Him? What do I spend the most time with? And I will say that the, the throne of your heart can be really examined that way. Um, but we need to remember, no matter what kind of things we do or what kind of things we say, make sure that always that God is on the throne of your heart. That He is above everything else. That if He told you to give up some things, then you'd give them up because He is God. That we serve Him not because of the things that He blessed us with, but we serve Him because He is God. These idols that the enemy puts in our face, these temptations and whatnot, let me tell you, he did the same thing to Jesus in the wilderness when he tempted him and he said, hey, why don't you turn these rocks to bread or hey, here's the world, I'll give it to you. That he'll put these things in front of your face in these idols, church. We, I don't want to be negative and I want to encourage you. Um, but the fact of the matter is that outside there are so many things put in front of your face that the enemy tries to tempt you with. That in television and even commercials, songs on the radio, I'll go ahead and say it, it's garbage that the enemy tries to put in front of your face. That he's trying to let this inside your heart. But as the old saying goes, you know, a bird can fly around your head as much as it wants, but unless you let it land on your head and let it make a nest there, there ain't going to be no eggs. So the enemy can put anything he wants in front of your face, but unless you let it fest and and put it in your mind and let it stay there, it's not going to give birth to sin. I'll get get off that, I promise. (laughs) But that we need to check ourselves. What kind of idols is the enemy putting in front of our face? What kind of things is he saying, why don't you worship your job or why don't you worship your school? Why don't you even worship religion? 
Why don't you worship these different idols? Because, uh, and he promises these things like status and money and power. But yet, as you pour your heart out to those idols, you realize that those idols never pour out to you. The thing that I've come to learn about God is when you pour out your heart to God, he pours his heart out to you. Because our God wants a personal relationship with us. And when you begin to let yourself um, spend time with God and know uh, and let him know you truly, he wants you to know him too. That God pours out to us as well. Um, James, I want to mention James 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 says submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you even though the enemy will try to put those idols in front of you if you res- if you submit yourself to God and resist the devil he is not going to just keep it there in front of you he's not going to just walk away but it says that he will flee from you praise God for that praise God Going back to our scriptures, though, how easy could it have been? How, how easy could it have been for um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to um, look at that idol? And there was probably, you know, a bunch of people there. And how easy would it have been if those music started playing and they were just like, well, I don't really mean this, but I'm going to bow down to this thing just so I can go about my day. Church, I'll say one of the biggest idols that we deal with right now is comfort. I'm trying to do things easy. Um, I'm not going to preach too much on this, but how easy could it have been for them just to bow down to that idol? How easy is it for us to get caught up in just kind of going through the motions of things and being comforted um, by television or whatever may bring you comfort or food or whatever? Um, How easy it is to bow down to that idol, but God has not called you to a life of comfort. It is a good life, but it is one that, well, let me tell you, God will stretch you and God will move you. There are times where it is, it's not comfortable, but if you're doing it for the Lord, you are going to advance his kingdom and the glory of God will be shown through you. Now, as these three Hebrew children were thrown into the fire and we had uh, King Nebuchadnezzar turning it up, man. He turned up the heat seven times hotter than it was and and put them in there. And even the people that bound them up were even killed because how hot this was. But even in the midst of that fire, just as they said before, God delivered them. The last thing that I want to say that the enemy will do after he tries to change your identity, he tries to put idols in front of you, the enemy will try to just burn you. That he will put every kind of situation in your lap so you have to deal with stress and depression and weigh you down type of thing. That he'll want to just put you in the fire and make you burn. But just as we see with these Hebrew children, that our God delivers us from the fire. God delivers you from those situations that seem that want to burn you. God delivers you from those people that persecute you or talk wrongly against you. God delivers you. God delivers you from those situations where your physical body is in is ill and you are in need of a healing. God delivers you and heals you. Those situations that seem to want to burn you, God protects and delivers his children 
sometimes he, uh, you know, we, we go through those trials, and I, and, um, I just want to note here something that is said about these Hebrew children. That not only were they delivered, but when they walked out, people even said that they didn't even have a, a singe of their clothes. They didn't even have a smell on them. Church, let me tell you, even just grilling in the backyard, I've got some smell on me. And my t-shirt smells like smoke for a day. But they went through this hot fire furnace. This is so intense that it even killed the people that, that put them in there. But they walked out and they didn't even smell like it. Church, I don't want to say that God's just you know going to give you a band-aid when he delivers you. God makes you whole God makes you new he doesn't just patch you up he doesn't just bandage you together but God makes you whole to where you don't even have a smell on you so don't go through those trials and come out with some sort of negativity that's that dirty smell from that trial don't wear it on your face just in Woe is me. No, God delivered you. Walk in victory. And don't even have that smell of that trial on you. One of my best friends over here, Kathy Cleanland, has just been through a journey, but we went through her house on last Saturday. I ate me. I got some chicken and some ribs and filled my belly up. Let me tell you something. I look at that lady, and she's been through uh, all kinds of stuff over this past year. Let me tell you, as we had fun on that Saturday cookout, let me tell you, she didn't even have a smell on her from that journey. That God has delivered her from that. God has healed her body. And she doesn't even have a negativity or anything angry to say about it. That we are delivered, guys, not with a smell on us. That there's no sign of that trial. Hallelujah. God delivers us. James chapter 1 verse 2 says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials being refined and perfected by God I want to teach an illustration that God given to me Elizabeth you can remember this in teen men one night God gave me this illustration to teach this point that have you ever um have you ever actually heard of how like uh, diamonds are made? And what they start like? To be honest, if you go into the mines, some in like Colorado and different places, some of the mines of diamonds, they're actually not that valuable whenever you first mine them. And they're not that pretty either. Whenever you first get them out, they might be cloudy and whatnot and not clean and whatever. Um, they actually don't have a value, but whenever their value comes... It's not the fact that it's, well, you can say that it's a big diamond or it's a small diamond, but even the small diamonds are worth more if they've been cut correctly. That a, that a diamond gains more value the more ways that it's been cut and the symmetry and all that. Why is it? Because those pretty little diamonds, you got one on your hand today, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Those pretty little diamonds, when the light shines on them, the more value that comes is when they're cut more ways, the light shines in different directions. And so that everywhere, every perspective that you look at that diamond, you get a reflection of light. Church.
church, I'll say this. God uses people that has been through those trials. God perfects you through those trials. And that cutting and that refining fire of God allows you, just as a diamond, as you begin to be cut different ways and go through different circumstances, God's light shines on you and you begin to reflect all different ways and begin to reach more and more people. That when somebody's been delivered, let's say, from drugs and addiction and they've been cut that way, when the glory of God shines on them, it reflects to those who are caught up in drugs and addiction. That the more that we are cut, the more that we are refined by God, the more that His light shines through us. So that's why in James it says, count it for joy when you go through these trials. You're going to be perfected through them. You're going to gain patience from them. You, God is making you into uh, his son. God is making you more and more like Jesus. As he begins to cut and begin to shine in your life. As these Hebrew children were thrown into a fire and put through this cutting, so to speak. I want us to look now one more time. Can you bring up that again, uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25? But I want to see King Nebuchadnezzar's answer here. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the fourth, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Church, let me teach something here. King Nebuchadnezzar did not know maybe beforehand, didn't know what God looked like, didn't see him before. And let me tell you, the whole time that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel was in the house, it doesn't say that he ever saw God through them until when? Until they were in a fire. Even when they stood against his golden idol, it just says that he just got furious with them. But whenever they were cast into the fire, King Nebuchadnezzar recognized there's another in that fire. And that other one has the form of the Son of God, that he recognized God whenever they were in the fire. Let me teach something here. Guys, it's very easy for the world to overlook a witness when life is going very well. It's very easy to overlook a witness that just comes to church on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesday. But you cannot overlook somebody's witness who is going through trials and all sorts of uh, things in their life, but they continue to serve God, that's when people recognize there's another in that fire. And that other one has the form of the Son of God. That they say, man, there's another in that fire. And church, let me say this too. While the world sees that there is another in your fire going on, it's really good for you to know there's another in your fire. That when you're going through that, I can imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in that fire and looking over and seeing the Son of God with them. 
seeing this form of what looked to be like Jesus, uh, seeing him and just feeling reassured and being comforted and knowing that they were protected. It feels really good whenever you're going through that fire and you look over and Jesus is right there with you. That you know there is another with you. And let me tell you about this other one that's with you. Let me tell you about the other one that's in the fire with you. The one who the enemy cannot change his identity. He can't change his name. His name has always and will be the name above every name. He can't change that name. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is my Prince of Peace. He's my stronghold. He's my deliverer. He's my redeemer. He is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the other in the fire. That's the other in the fire with you. So rest assured he never leaves, never forsakes, that he takes care of his children, that in the midst of burning, you are comforted, and you won't even have a smell on you. Isaiah 43, 2 says that when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, neither shall the flame even kindle upon you. It's not even going to touch you. You can depend on the other in the fire. Church, I have a few more points, but I think I'm going to stop there. Because I think I just hit... I think the word just pierced some hearts. I'm going to ask if Leah, you want to go ahead and come on up. The worship team. Church, as I said at the beginning, this is no ordinary Sunday. Every time we walk into this room, this is a divine appointment by God. And God has given me this word for a reason. So church, I know, I know sometimes, man, it seems like you have been put into a fire and the enemy just wants to burn you and put every type of stress, depression on you, to throw things in front of your face, these different idols that we talked about, saying, why don't you just go ahead and bow down to these? Church, this morning, why don't we give an answer just like the three Hebrew children that says, listen, my God will deliver me. My God will deliver me from this fire. And you know what? Just as they said, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to serve him. We serve God not because of the blessings or the things that He's done for us. But we serve God because of who He is. Because He is God. Because He is our Heavenly Father. And He cares for us. So church, I'm asking you this morning. And if you've been in a fire, won't you commit yourself today? To walk through it with another. To walk through it with Jesus. To lean on His Word. To call.
on His name. And as you begin to do this, all those that are around you in the world, your colleagues and your family will begin to say, there is another in that fire. And you yourself will be strengthened as you look over and you see Jesus at work. That you look over and you see that other that's in the midst of the fire because you know he's conquered it time and time again. That you know that he has conquered hell and death and all these trials already and has brought you victory today. This morning you can be comforted by that other in the fire. So I'm going to ask... We're going to go into prayer right now. But if you are in a trial, a fire in your life, I want you to come forward in this place. We'll all stand together. That this morning we're going to pray for deliverance. This morning we're going to lean on that other one on Jesus and he's going to see us through these right now I'm asking you won't you come up here and endure that fire with the one who's already conquered you